Welcome to this first edition of Baseball and Beyond, interviews and talk about baseball and beyond. Today we're going to go back to 1999. Tony Gwynn was in St. Louis and was about to capture his 3,000th hit. He sat down with me to talk about all things baseball. Here's a listen. Um, are you tired of these questions yet, the 3,000 questions? Very much so. You know, it's, uh, but it's part of the job. It comes with the territory, and uh, when you get to this point, obviously a lot of people want to know, you know. And, and the thing that uh, you fight really as a player is that, you know, how, how, how much can we preview this thing, you know? It's, uh, it's really getting to the point where you just kind of want to go out there and get it and then see how you react because I have no idea. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been quite a ride. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, but at this point, you kind of just want to kind of put your game face on, go out there and do what you have to do so you can get past it. When we talk about 3,000, I like to look at just your numbers because I was just kind of looking at your numbers. 16 straight years over 300, which is amazing. Not many guys have done that. I think only two. And you're, you're a historian of the game. You saw when Pete Rose broke the record. When you were out on the field, did you ever think, hey, you know, I know it's 85, but maybe, yeah. call, <laughs> maybe about 15, 20 years later, maybe that'll be me. No, I had no idea. And... Uh, yeah, because I think as a player, it takes time for you to kind of develop your style, develop uh, um, what type of hitter you are, and if you're even capable of doing something like that. Because uh, the first real good year I had was 1984, and 85, I was kind of like in the process of seeing if I could do it again because I didn't, I didn't know. And uh, but it, it, for me, 3,000 I think kind of came to mind a lot more often when I got to 1,000. When I got to 1,000, I thought. Uh, you know, can I play this game for 10 more years and get 200 hits a season? I said, no, honestly. And I, I thought, so that meant I had to play, you know, 11 or 12 years to have a legitimate chance at it. And at the time, I thought I could do it. But uh, even then, you go through these ups and downs. You go through the, uh, you know, can I do it? Can I do I want to play long enough to do it? Do I want to do it on one team? Do I want to do it in one league? All of those things. And for me, really, the answer has been, yeah, this is where I wanted to be. I've been fortunate to play here my whole career and uh, been fortunate that I've been relatively consistent as a player. And so you find yourself really right on, on the cusp of doing what you set out to do 1,995 hits ago. And I know it's going to feel good. I just don't know what the particulars are going to be, who's pitching, where you're playing, you know, what's going to happen after you get it, what's going to happen, you know, after that. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that part, but... Um, the whole ride, like I said, has been a lot of fun. It's been really interesting. It's been uh, uh, really trying at times, and other times it's just been really a whole lot of fun. But uh, the one constant for me has been that uh, I don't like the I don't like all the attention. Really, I, I I like it so much better when the focus is on us as a club and not me as a player. And so. Uh, for me, that's one of the reasons why I got to hurry up and get this done, so I can get the spotlight off of me and put it back really on all of us, because that's the way it's supposed to be. It's been kind of a special season once again. You went to Boston in the All-Star Game, and I know that you're a big historian. You love talking to guys like Ted Williams and Stan Musial. First of all, just talk about that. A lot of these players, they'll talk to them, they'll say hello, but I think you really get in depth with them, and you actually ask them questions that they like to hear. Do they? You are very interested in what they have to say sometimes, right? Yeah, very, very much so. And uh, I never shy away from an opportunity to ask somebody who's played the game before me what it was like, how'd you do it, you know, what was the mindset, you know, getting into their head a little bit about how they did their craft. And, uh, 
then that's always been enjoyable for me. But the last five years, I've just had like golden opportunities to talk to Ted Williams, Stan Musial, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. I mean, I can go on and on. And uh, and when you're talking to them, you're right. They do like to talk about it. They do get excited when you ask them questions about it. And and let's face it, you know, times have changed, and a lot of these kids in this generation, they don't know much about Willie Mays or Hank Aaron or you know, Ted Williams or Stan Musial. And, I mean, I'm almost 40 years old, so I'm kind of like, yeah, I mean, I got a lot of kids who, who look up to me as a ball player, and I'm in the middle where I looked up to a lot of these guys when they were ball players. And so for me, I always take the time whenever given an opportunity. And let me tell you, the All-Star game was quite an opportunity. I mean, that is not going to happen again for – a long, long time, and uh, just being on the field that night and having a chance to talk to the players that I talked to, Tom Seaver, uh, Sam Musial, Ted Williams, uh, George Brett, Juan Marichal. I mean, yeah, I mean it looks like a, it's like you're in hog heaven, you know? And, and you're not gonna get that opportunity to talk to that many guys in one place. And it was so funny that night because a PA guy came on and said, hey, we got to clear the field. we got to get ready to play. And we're looking at each other like, you got to be kidding me. This is, you know, this is not going to happen. The game could wait. And I think people understood that. You know, when they watch that game on TV and, you know, all of a sudden the players start to separate a little bit and spread out. But right before that, you know, the camera, I'm sure when you're looking at the game, you're seeing the guys who are standing around Ted Williams, but all around us. Guys are shaking hands, congratulations, how you doing, what a career you had. You know, the all-star players of today with the all-century guys of yesterday, and there was a whole lot of handshaking, how you doing, good to see you, how you feeling, that sort of thing. And it was really just one of those moments that, like I said, unless you were there that night, you're never going to understand the electricity that was not only in the ballpark that night but on the field. I know you are a big fan of the video camera. What about... Uh, yeah, I was talking about you guys' video yeah. camera. That this guys, video camera. That you guys are taping this no, thing with. But uh, you, like to, uh, you like to use that as, yeah. a, as a tool. Now, let me ask you a quick... Who do you have the most hits against? Let's see if you know that. Uh, I pr Probably Greg Maddox, right. probably. And you know uh, the best batting ever. Um, no, I don't... That Well, let me take a shot in the dark here. I'd say somebody like... Uh, Jeff Brantley. Yeah, see, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Well, Jeff Brantley is pretty good. We well, saw it. With, with I, I say that because uh, uh, early in my career, I had a whole lot of success. It, it's just like Maddox. I had a whole lot of success early in my career so that when it just starts to even out, starts to turn around the other way, it still looks good on paper. And so, uh, uh, you know, with Maddox, I did a lot of damage against him when he was with the Cubs, but now he's with the Braves. You know, it starts to flip-flop a little bit, but the average still looks like, oh, yeah, you hit him really well. And that's never been the case in the sense that every time you go up there against a guy like that you never feel comfortable you never feel like man i'm just gonna blow up tonight i'm gonna go four for five you never feel like that uh I, I, with him is his strengths really work to my strengths and his strengths are location and movement and mine are taking what they give me and trying to do something with it and so when you put those together it usually works out okay for me because he's never struck me out and and that tells you something. That just tells you he's trying to make a quality pitch, and I'm trying to take a quality swing. And a lot of times it, it works out to where he's still gotten me out more times than I've gotten hits, but it looks really good on paper. Last question. You were drafted the same day into the NBA. Would you have uh, rather play a little basketball, or you think this is going to be uh, what, what they'll remember you for? Well, sure, this is what they remember me for. But uh, to be honest with you, if I was 6'3", it might have been a different story because I love basketball. And, I mean, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't anywhere near the magnitude of like today's first round picks and stuff, but uh, uh, that was my first love, and I always loved running up and down the court and 
you know, being in that, that kind of environment, I really love that. But uh, baseball, now that I've played it as long as I have, I think you come to realize that uh, when you look at all the major sports in this country, baseball is the one that has the best history, I think, and the deepest history. And so when you go back, like for me as an African-American, if Jackie Robinson doesn't break into the big leagues, who knows where this game is today? And, and I look back at that because that was a time where my dad was growing up and uh, when we were kids, he used to talk about Jackie Robinson all the time. And so that kind of really got your interest in the history of the game. And, and once again, I'm put in a position a lot of times where I can have a conversation with, with Hank Aaron or Willie May and ask them what it was like. You know, one of the best conversations I've ever had as a big leaguer, we're in Dodger Stadium and they had their old timers game. And uh, guys, people you probably won't remember, guys like Joe Black and Don Newcomb and uh, Sweet Lou Johnson, we're sitting on a bench and we're just talking about baseball. And I'm like, I'm loving it because these guys are telling me what it was like. And uh, they were telling me about the time they were in, Don Newcomb was talking, he was telling me about the time they were in St. Louis where uh, uh, the black players on the Dodgers couldn't stay at the same hotel as the white players. And Jackie had had enough. He'd been in the big leagues for six years, and he hadn't had an opportunity to stay in the same hotel with his teammates. And he says, you know, this is it, boys. We're going to go over there, and we're going to find out why why we can't stay at the same hotel. Now, let me, let, me, let me prefix this by telling you, Joe Black told me that no matter, Jackie Robinson didn't take any guff from anybody. And having him say that and then deal, did, picturing what he had to go through his first couple years in the big leagues, really brings this point home and so he goes over to the hotel and he talks to the man he's talking to the manager about the hotel and he wants to know how come we can't stay in the same hotel as the rest of my teammates and the guy looks him square in the eye and says well mr robson the reason why you can't stay uh with the rest of your teammates is because we're scared you're going to go in the swimming pool and most people when they hear that they think well you know i guess he thought the black was going to come off in the pool and ruin the water and uh and jackie was just straightforward and just you know, tough, saying, hey, we deserve to be at the same. And so finally the guy says, okay, you can stay at the same uh, hotel as your teammates. And so they put him in a room that was completely at the opposite end of the pool, thinking that Jackie might, you know, get bold and jump out the window into the pool. And for me, that really brought the point home of how difficult it must have been for Jackie Robinson, to, you know, to break into this game, being the first black man to break into this game and all the op obstacles that he had to overcome in order for this thing to work. Because one, he didn't take any love from anybody. And so obviously when he got into the big leagues, he had to take crap from not only players, fans, hotels, places to eat. And so for me, it really, and that happened like, I don't know, 18, 86, maybe 87. And it happened in a time in my career where it really gave me some insight into some of the things that I have to deal with. What I have to deal with is nothing compared to what he had to deal with. And that conversation in L.A. that day, I think, really made it a whole lot easier to handle some of the things that I have to handle on a daily basis and try to do it with a smile because, I mean, if I was put in his place, there's no way. There's no way anybody today could have deal dealt with the things that he had to deal with. And so I remember that conversation. I try to remember that conversation every time I go to the ballpark because you're going to be put in situations where, you know, you got to deal with people. And some people are going to be happy and some people aren't. And I try my best to do the best that I can at that particular time, but I know I'm not going to please everybody.